0: your podcast host, and welcome to This Undefined, the podcast that aims to break down the social context of what you've heard and what you believe. From health, culture, business, and beyond, no topic is left off the table. So tune in as we try to make sense of how we all define our own perspectives and the people who have an opinion about it. Now, our next series revolves around recovery. Self-care requires practice. The mindset to look past our own judgments over our body and mind, teaches us more about ourselves than we care to realize. In fact, recovery allows us a space to center our focus from all the time and energy we've used to live out our expectations. For like most things in life, it's how we recover from our actions that make all of our efforts even more worthwhile. Our guests in this series highlight different methods we can all be mindful of applying. Now, this is Registered Dietitian, Undefined, with guest Taylor Stolt.
1: My name is Taylor Stolt. I am a registered dietitian, um, and I practice functional medicine, so my full title, you could say, is Functional Medicine Registered Dietitian, which is kind of a mouthful. Um, So I can break those down if that's helpful for listeners. Yeah,
0: actually, yeah, yeah, break that down. Because when it comes to food, I feel like there's just like a list of all these types of certifications.
1: Definitely. So as a dietitian, we have quite, um, quite a lot of hoops to jump through to become a registered and licensed dietitian. After graduating, uh, you have to do an internship where you complete like thousands of supervised hours. Mm-hmm. It typically takes 10 months to a year, sometimes up to a year and a half. And my program is on the shorter side. Um, so you have to complete all of those supervised hours and then you sit for the national board exam um, and you have to pass that exam. And if you pass that exam, mm-hmm. then you become a dietitian. And then after that point, you also have to keep up with continued education. Um, So they're always, you know, the board is checking in to make sure you've completed X number of hours um, every certain number of years. So it takes a lot to become a dietitian, and it's definitely different than um, like a nutritionist. That's something else, a term that's thrown around a lot. There's not a lot of um, it's it's easier to become a nutritionist and there's not a lot of like uh structure around that term it's not like a well-defined term there aren't certain number of like requirements for that whereas becoming a dietitian is very like it's very set in stone you have to do this you have to do this you have to become you know certified with the Mm -hmm. exam and so it, it is very different. Um, and as a dietitian, it, it does allow me to practice like medical nutrition therapy. Mm. So I, with the additional coursework and all the things I had to do to get to where I am and become a dietitian, I do have the opportunity to do a lot more as a dietitian than I would as just a nutritionist.
0: So I feel like words kind of matter in terms of defining what you do for a living? Because like, I'm a personal trainer, but I, whenever it comes to like conversations about food, I'm like, you know what, I want you to go to someone who that's their specialty. Can you help bridge that gap? Or how do you bridge that gap with people to know the difference between like a nutritionist and a dietitian, and then anything else in between that people try to kind of insert themselves into having a, a part of the food discussion?
1: Yeah. So do you mean like when it comes to a, like a potential client, how do I kind of define the difference for them? Yeah. It really depends on where the person's coming from, like the way that I approach that. Mm. Um, but people are, yeah, a little bit confused and they kind of, they assume like, Oh, she's just going to talk about mm-hmm. eating or eating vegetables or things that mm. a lot of people already know, like they should be doing, but I would say a very, um, something that is very like definitive of a dietitian specifically is that they can use the diet for very therapeutic purposes. So it's not this just like one size fits all eat healthy and eat vegetables and don't eat processed food. It's much more complex than that. And only a dietitian will have the training to be able to use diet in a therapeutic and very healing way. Um, okay. more so just than like the basics that you, most people already do know to do. Cause there some clients come to me and if someone just a normal, like consumer and a normal person, the lay person looked at their diet, they'd say like, you should be super healthy. Your diet looks awesome, mm-hmm. but there could be things that are inherently healthy that are not helpful for their specific condition.
0: Does that okay. make sense? So yeah. I guess therapeutic is the key word in that, right? Yeah. How how did your relationship with food lead you into becoming a registered dietitian?
1: I feel like my my relationship with food has been a roller coaster. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: I feel like a lot of Americans have that too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's helpful though, because it's like no Mm -hmm. matter where a client is at when they come to see me, I'm like, hey, I get it. Like I've been there. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's like helpful looking back. But um, when I was younger, I was always very active. And once I started getting into like high school athletics, I realized that I potentially could run track in college. And so I did start to see diet as something like a way to fuel my workouts. So it nutrition piqued my interest at that time, but I was falling into the like, standard American healthy diet recommendations that I know now are are not actually very healthy. (laughs) So at the time, low fat was still kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I just was like, okay, I need to like be light on my feet. I need to be pretty lean in order to jump further, run faster. Um, and so I was eating the same thing every day. I would eat a sandwich on whole wheat bread and wouldn't put a lot of like condiments. So it was mainly like carbs and protein. So I was approaching diet and I, I didn't know much at the time. So it's like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't blame myself. <laughs> uh, but at the time I was view, viewing it as fuel and viewing it as a way to, to be lean so more for body composition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to develop some health issues. So I started to develop health issues in high school, um, I had a family history of thyroid issues and it seemed like a lot of my symptoms lined up with that. Mm -hmm. But when I saw doctors like conventional medicine doctors, they, they saw that I was athletic and pretty lean and they just were very dismissive and they're like, you're fine. Mm -hmm. But I was falling asleep in class, like, was my, I remember my parents would get so mad because I would yawn while they were talking to me (laughs) and they'd be like, that is so disrespectful. (laughs) I I would say, I promise I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just so, so tired. Uh, So that was just one of many symptoms I was experiencing was extreme fatigue, but doctors are very dismissive. Um, and so I grew very, um, disenchanted with the conventional medicine model. Mm -hmm. And I started to look into more of a functional medicine model, which is what I use today. And they're very big on diet. Uh, So I I started to experiment with diet a little bit more. I continued to have health health issues into college. And it was around that time that I discovered I had Hashimoto's, which Mm -hmm. is an autoimmune thyroid issue condition. And I found out that I had a gluten intolerance. Um, It's very common to have a gluten intolerance when you have any sort of autoimmune condition, Mm -hmm. especially Hashimoto's. Um, That that gluten protein and the thyroid molecule are very similar in molecular structure. Mm -hmm. So there's like some crossover there, and it can fuel the autoimmune attack. So Mm -hmm. I started to get into diet more for like therapeutic purposes. And I found that. Um, the diet piece is really, really big for, for my healing and just very thankful for that. And then I got to a point where I was under a lot of stress immediately after graduation, I was in my internship and the internship, probably 90% of it was, it was very clinical. So I was working in like hospital setting and I knew that I needed to do the internship to become a dietitian and do what I wanted to do but I had to work in a hospital setting and it, it went against everything that I believed in mm. the things that we were feeding the patients um it was really really hard for me and so I started to develop more health issues and I know now looking back like it was fueled by stress like stress was 95 percent of it mm. and so that time I I started to, developed more and more food sensitivities and my diet got very very restrictive and I started to fear food um and so my relationship yeah kind of took like a a rocky turn um and so things got really restrictive I was just feeling terrible and then a couple of years later when I started my own practice and finally felt like what I was doing really lined up with what I believed and I was really excited and passionate about what I was doing. Um, I start the stress levels. It was a different type of stress, but they <laughs> changed. And over the course of the next couple of years, I worked on healing my gut, um, restoring my relationship with food. And now I'm in a very healthy spot with food. So I'm very thankful mm-hmm. for the journey because I can speak to, uh, you know, every single side of of food relationships.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Some things that stood out with what you said is stress. And we live in a time where that's kind of high on everyone's list of things going on in their lives. Um, and then food is such a personal thing, right? Whether it's in your life a lot or it's, or the absence of it is kind of interesting as well, I'm sure for you. Um, and then the word diet. Mm-hmm. So how people kind of perceive that word whenever you bring it up, how have you seen that relationship people have with those three things when they come see you?
1: Yeah. Everyone's starting point is a little bit different. Um, I actually looked up the definition. Let me see if I can find it. But I looked up the definition of diet because I was curious and like, what, how are, how is like Webster actually defining this? And I thought it was interesting the difference because I do see one um, definition I think that a lot of people that is their starting point. And then it shifts to the other definition by the time they finish working with me. Mm. Um, So one of one of the definitions was was in the verb sense. And it said it was to restrict oneself to small amounts, or special kinds of food. Mm. And they said it was in order to lose weight. But I, I also see people do that for, you know, specific like Health reasons, so it could be to lose weight or some other goal. Mm-hmm. So, it's like restricting the amount or restricting the type of food. So, exactly. that's the verb sense, and then the noun sense. There were there were two. So, one said the kinds of food that a person or community habitually eats, um, mm-hmm. and then the other is a special course of food of which one restricts oneself to to lose weight or medical reasons. So, it kind of falls mm. back to that verb definition. And so a lot of people, before they start working with me, they're kind of, they'll later divulge that they were a little bit scared to work with me because they thought Mm -hmm. that they would be on this super, super restrictive diet and that would be necessary for the rest of their life. And they knew that they didn't want that for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they, they started off with that picture in their mind. And then by the end of the course um, of our time together, it is more of that other definition, which is more so like, what are you habitually eating? Because perfection is not possible. It's not sustainable. It's not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And my goal with clients is, you know, once we work together for six months or 12 months, I want you to feel super confident and equipped in what you're eating and how to make your body feel its absolute best by the foods that you're choosing. Mm -hmm. But I also want you to feel like you have the freedom to go like have drinks with friends or go out to eat and eat something that is technically not inherently healthy, Mm -hmm. but it is healthy in another way because that social aspect, um, that stress relieving aspect is so, so important too. It's not just about the food like you said, Mm. people have a very close relationship with food. Most do. I've had like a couple of guy clients that are like, I'll eat whatever. (laughs) I don't care. Mm. Um, But most people do have this very like strong tie to food. They're like cultural aspects and food reminds us of childhood and memories. And you can't just like take all of that away from a person. So it definitely shifts, um, which is really cool to see. Yeah.
0: It sounds very therapeutic, which is a word we kind of used already. Um, so how have you seen people navigate or how do you make them understand that it's the small changes because the journey is a lot, right? So there, that could take months, years even. Uh, and so telling someone that that could be the outcome for them is sort of daunting, right? But knowing that the small things are going to lead up to that bigger change. So how do you navigate that conversation?
1: Something I've done, not even conversation wise, but more like Business model wise, you could say, okay. is I've shifted from a la carte appointments, just like single appointments, to packages because I want people to understand mm. it's not just like we meet once, I tell you eat this, don't eat this, and then I send you on your way. It is a journey, um, and it takes some time to to experience some changes. And I I typically start even on like a discovery call. I do free discovery calls. Um, and people will ask me, you know, what does it look like to work with you? Or I'll just go ahead and tell them, like, would you like me to, to explain what it looks mm-hmm. like to work with me? And I, I explained to them that we typically will use the diet in a therapeutic way, and things could get slightly more, don't you know, like the word restrictive. Um, but we use the diet in a very therapeutic way, and we get specific. Um, but we don't restrict more than we have to. Um, but we will sometimes kind of scale back on the diet as far as the types of food or specific foods, something like that, until we get to a place where you're feeling really great. And then the long-term goal is to expand the diet as much as possible. Um, Some people are eating very healthy, quote unquote healthy, Mm -hmm. but their diet is so limited. And we know that The gut microbiome is so important for every aspect of health Mm. um, from like blood sugar balance to digestion, heart disease, even cancer. And so we want a really wide variety of gut bacteria. And if you're feeding your gut like 20 foods, you're not going to have diverse gut bacteria. Mm. So I do, I do tell them that like the goal is not to restrict and restrict and restrict the long-term goal is, is to expand as much as possible, not only for the gut microbiome and for physical health, but also for sustainability and just mm-hmm. enjoyment of life. Cause that's what people want. It's like, yeah. they're not just coming to me to like fix X, Y, and Z issue. It's like, okay, but what's the root of that? Like, why do you want to get rid of your digestive issues? Why do you want to balance your hormones? And their answer is like, I wanna be present with my kids. I want to live a longer life. Mm -hmm. I want to go out to eat and not have to worry about how that food is going to affect my stomach. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a means to an end and people are not going to enjoy their lives and be able to be present with the people that they love if they can only eat 15 things.
0: I feel like you get a lot of paradigm shifts throughout working with someone because there's tons of things like that that might happen. Uh, like you think you you beat one thing and then the next thing happens like we have to address this or this <laughs> and that. Was there a moment for you that where you've had that shift of perspective on how you view food and nutrition?
1: I would say I do remember a shift when I was experiencing lots of health issues. My diet was very restricted, and at that at that point, I realized like I really don't trust my body in this moment. And I'm going to have Mm. to shift my mindset and start to trust my body and remember that the, what if I had to, I had to like play out the what if because in the moment I kind of had like this PTSD situation where Mm. I, I knew diet was so therapeutic and I worried that eating one little thing that was technically not healthy. was just going to completely derail my health and make me so much worse. And I had to remember like, yes, the diet can be very therapeutic and it's so important, but our bodies are also really resilient and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the end of the world. If I ate something that technically was not healthy, like I was going mm-hmm. to be fine. And I also had to take a step back and realize like, this is impacting relationships. This is impacting my social life. I, at one point was like bringing food with me to restaurants. Cause I was on this, like I'll put wow. myself on an elimination diet. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm thankful for the experience because now I'm able to put myself in a client's shoes. Mm-hmm. And so when we're doing something like an, eliminate, an elimination diet, it's never me just telling the client, like, you're going to do this. It's always a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm always asking them, like, where are you at? Like we can, you know, we have some options, like this would probably be super therapeutic and helpful, but like do you feel like that's feasible right now? Would that be way too stressful? Like, how do you feel about it? And then we go from there. Mm. Um, because doing something like an elimination diet on paper, it may look great. But in reality, mm-hmm. the stress of that could yeah. be more detrimental than the diet itself.
0: Yeah, I like practitioners that approach it that way. Because I feel people come with like, I have this, 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 tell me what I need to do. And I'm mm. like, Oh, that's, <laughs> Uh, all right. If I did, you probably won't follow it.
1: Right. <laughs> so yes. let's have a
0: conversation, right? <laughs> are there a lot of people in your field that are like you that think about it that way? Or what's your experience with that?
1: Well, it's interesting because a lot of us, like when you work, when you own your own business, you don't really know what other dietitians are mm-hmm. doing. But I have had some clients who have worked with dietitians in the past, and I ask them about their experience. And they say it's a very different experience. It's more so, like the one thing that I see is it is more just like blanket statement, like eat more vegetables. This is how you do it. And it's not therapeutic and specific to the client. Um, and then another thing that I have seen is, yeah, there, there isn't really a conversation and the dietitian doesn't take the time to understand the person's life situation and what is going to be best for them. Um, and I not only, you know, I'm a dietitian. And so like the nutrition stuff is so, so important, but I'm also talking to people about lifestyle stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So like if someone's sleep is terrible, yes, the diet could be playing a role in that, but also we need to talk about like some sleep hygiene stuff. Um, Stress management is stuff that we talk about of circadian rhythm, adrenal health. Like it is this very, it's very comprehensive care Mm -hmm. and dietitians, um, other dietitians, I think maybe don't approach it in that way they're just focused on the nutrition mm-hmm. um and i take more of like a more of a comprehensive approach to yeah. health and wellness
0: it, it's your tool of like how you approach a lifestyle change like mine is personal training and massage yours is food right. tool. Um, yeah. i want to go back to something you said earlier that you didn't trust your body that stood out what did that mean for you
1: yeah uh i felt very disconnected from my body We really have to tune in and listen to it. And that's something I encourage my clients to do too, because I can look at their lab work, I can look at their symptoms, I can look at their health history, and I can tell them, you know, based on all these things, this is going to be therapeutic for you. But if someone starts eating like a certain food or they take a supplement and they say, if they tune in and they notice that it doesn't agree with them, I'm like, okay, like we're going to change things up because this could look good on paper, but we have to ultimately listen to your body. And I want clients to trust what their body is telling them. Mm -hmm. I think, especially with women we are and this can happen with men as well, but I feel like we're encouraged to ignore what our body is telling us. And especially any women who have tried to lose weight in the past, it feels like they are working against their body. And when someone's working with me, I'm like, we don't wanna work against your body. We want to listen to what your body is telling you and we want to work with it because your body is not the enemy. It's not broken. Mm-hmm. It's experiencing, you're experiencing symptoms because it's trying to cry out to you to tell you something is very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that while working together, women's perspective, I, I work with mainly women, probably 90% women, and their relationship with food and their perspective shifts because they start to work with their body instead of against it. And I think that that promotes a sense of you know self-love which is so important to be making these changes from that place instead of a place of like frustration with the body and working against the body because it's exhausting
0: mm-hmm. when you approach
1: it that way.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna share a personal story really quick because what you said resonated with me because this year like my word of the year is body as a massage therapist i think about it a lot but uh it's interesting how if you shift like some kind of perspective or define it differently you can have a completely different experience and uh for me it was like i i have a lot of anxiety and so uh since i was a kid i've always had stomach stuff Mm -hmm. and i think it's not until now where i like i want to address food like not that i haven't throughout that time specifically now When you said that you weren't trusting your body, I was like, "That's kind of where I'm at (laughs) a little bit." Because uh, the other night, I like woke up from a dream, and I had so much anxiety from whatever the dream was. Or I don't think it was even a bad dream, but for some reason, my body had a reaction to whatever was going on, either in the day or in the dream. Mm -hmm. So I woke up and I was like, "I need to be present." And so I had to do some breathing techniques, meditate a little bit, and like food comes to mind as well, because I we don't realize how much food can be that tool to help people feel more present in their bodies. You mm. even describe your healing process as feeling like yourself again. Uh, so from your point of view as a dietitian, what about food gives you that philosophy to what is happening inside of your body?
1: I think that food is so interesting because it's something that we all can make decisions about. And it's very empowering to know that the things that we decide to eat are going to change us on a cellular level. It's it that mm-hmm. we can't, we cannot survive that food. You can think about a car. Right. Like, like, you lend me your car, and I take it to my house and I fill it up with orange juice instead of gas, mm-hmm. and then I take it back to you, and it's not running. And you find out it's because I put orange juice in the gas tank. You're not going to be frustrated at the car. You're going to be frustrated at me. You're going to say like, what were you thinking? <laughs> putting orange juice in the gas yeah. tank, that obviously doesn't work. And I think that people often approach like diet and their, their body in the same way, they get frustrated at the car, not at the fact that there's orange juice mm. in the gas tank. And so it's, it's empowering To know that we have the power to just put gas in the tank and the car is going to run like it should. Um, So I I feel like there has to be yeah a little bit of like um, a mental shift. And and once you make that shift, I think that is very empowering. And instead of food being something that is restrictive and. It can, it can feel tedious at times. It's like, gosh, we have to eat several times a day. This is such a pain, (laughs) but it's also exciting and very empowering to know that like, dang, what I choose to eat at lunchtime today can either promote or put autoimmune conditions into remission. It can Mm -hmm. fuel mitochondria and give me a lot of energy, or it can shut mitochondria down It can turn genes on and off. You know, we can't control the genes that we have, but we know that diet and lifestyle can actually turn a gene off. So we have a lot more power over the way that our body functions than we think. And diet is so integral. It's so important. It's such a big piece of that, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, it is sort of an aesthetic journey in the beginning? Because I think like you even mentioned it earlier, where people go into it because they want to look good. And (laughs) what you put in your body is going to make you look good. But that is such a big hurdle to get over people. Like what's your experience with that, with having people shift their mind from like, it's not just how you look, but like what's happening inside. Yeah. How you feel.
1: Sometimes it's helpful to ask the client a question like, okay, if you could lose 15 pounds or you could wake up and you could have a lot of energy you can feel super present. You feel really motivated, sleep really well. Like, which one are you going to choose? And most people reluctantly say, well, the second one. <laughs> okay, let's focus on that first. I and mean, you, you may be able to achieve both, um, but we really have to let your, your body make that decision. And oftentimes weight loss does happen when clients are working with me. But I'm like, we have to, again, like we have to be working with your body. And instead of starting from a place of like, You know, I'm really unhappy with how my body looks right now. That motivation may be there some days, but other days that that's not going to motivate you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: feeling your best is going to motivate you more. And people may not believe that at the beginning, but once they make changes and they start feeling really great, it's super motivating to stay fairly on track and keep some of those habits in place. Because when they do get off track, they're like, dang, I don't miss dragging through the day like this. And that is super motivating to them. Whereas the weight fluctuates day to day based on what we had to eat the day before our salt intake, our water intake, um, hormone levels, exercise. And so the number on the scale is going to fluctuate. And there are some days that weight loss is just not that motivating. Like, I don't care today,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: but how you feel, I think is, is much more motivating. Ultimately. I just, I want you to be really happy and and live the best life that you can and that is is motivating to people yeah
0: a lot of the times with my clients i speak to them about you know your butt your body's on your side so it's Mm, going to do everything for you and so a lot of the things that um we do to our bodies we don't give it the time to recover and Mm. do what it's supposed to do so how do you feel food can be that source to recover and replenish
1: yeah um I've run track in uh, college, and so I've done some college athletics, and I know how it impacts exercise performance. But I think also in this day and age when everyone is so stressed, we not only have to think about recovery from physical stressors, but also recovery from like emotional and mental stressors too, Mm -hmm. because that's still there are some physiological processes that are happening when cortisol levels go up that stress hormone and so our diets not only helping us recover from physical strain in exercise but also the really difficult things that a lot of us are facing right now i think a lot of people don't realize that hormones can be affected by the food that they eat Mm so and just bringing that up and, and letting them know that there is a connection there and some clients are very trusting and they just take my word for it but sometimes (laughs) I'll actually put I always write really detailed session notes for clients so anytime I recommend something I will write out you know why and how to implement it but sometimes I'll actually link some research studies because some people are like I want to see the evidence so Mm. I'll link some research studies and show them you know this is how like estrogen detoxification and um, estrogen metabolism is affected by like X, Y, and Z food. Mm
0: -hmm. And they
1: appreciate that and find it really interesting.
0: What is the majority of your clientele? You said women, right?
1: Yeah. Majority are women. I would say like 90% are women. Mm -hmm. So the two things that I specialize in are gut health and hormones But when you're taking a functional medicine approach, I'm still addressing other things. When you are a healthcare practitioner, a lot of people encourage you to niche in one thing. And so people have asked me, why don't you niche in just gut health or just hormones? But there is such a connection there And oftentimes when a client comes to me or a potential client and they tell me they just have a gut issue or they just have a hormone issue, once we really dig in and I ask them more about their current symptoms Mm -hmm. um, and I ask them about their health history and we do lab work and we really dig in, there is typically an issue with both. So I'm like, Mm I can't just specialize in one. I I really need to specialize in both. Mm -hmm. And thankfully I have experience in both because those are two of my really, really, really big issues um, throughout high school, college, and a little bit post-grad was hormones and gut issues. So I'm very passionate about both of those. Mm
0: -hmm. But is that a good starting place for like just anyone in general to like understand what's going Mm -hmm. on?
1: I think that gut health, I think a lot of people don't have good gut health, even if they are not experiencing really extreme symptoms. Mm -hmm. Or I often see that people think something is normal when in reality, it's not. Um, So I think that gut health is something that a lot of people would benefit from working on. Mm -hmm. Another thing that a lot of people have experienced or that is a part of their health history is a lot of antibiotics. Thankfully, Mm. I feel like doctors are scaling back a little bit and there are some restrictions and guidelines in place, but I still see antibiotics just handed out like candy. Um, And even if somebody doesn't take a lot of antibiotics now, and they know now that's not a great idea to take a pack once a year, they may have been on antibiotics as a kid because they had, you know, like recurrent ear infections or something. Um, so that does a lot of damage to the gut and it's not like the gut quickly bounces back. We actually see there's some literature to support that some bacteria, good, healthy bacteria are killed off with antibiotics and they don't return. So it really takes some extra, like TLC to, to bring those back and some targeted supplementation. Mm.
0: The reason I said that was because you said um, earlier that most people don't really diversify their food. Mm. And I think yeah. having a variety of things that your body can break down is the best thing for anyone to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of people not only have been on antibiotics, which kill off this good bacteria, Mm. but if we don't have a a very diverse amount of food coming in and specifically prebiotics, so like Mm. a variety of fruits, vegetables, and different fibers, that's what fuels the good bacteria that are already present in the gut. So it's like, we kill off a lot of the good bacteria with the antibiotics. We're not fueling the good bacteria that are already there. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I bet a lot of Americans, if they did some testing, they would see that they are lacking a lot of diversity in their gut microbiome.
0: Mm -hmm. I was reading up on you. Um, I saw that you did the, I don't know how to say this word, Wingana.
1: Oh, Wingana.
0: Yeah, that lifestyle retreat in Australia. So the reason I bring that up, is it, first of all, my first question is, Mm -hmm. is it good to try out different, uh, I guess, diets, yeah?
1: think that if somebody is not being like guided by a practitioner, it gets a little bit tricky, but I do think that it's helpful. Like if you are listening to your body, I think that there are benefits to all diets. So if you are doing something like a keto or low carb diet, That's not something that I recommend long-term for Mm -hmm. many people, especially women. We just don't do well on very low carb diets. It can be really hard on the adrenals. It can be a form Mm -hmm. of stress. It can actually down-regulate the production of thyroid hormones. So long-term not helpful, but there are some women that notice when they eat higher fat and lower carbohydrate, they feel like their blood sugars are more balanced And so you can take that and learn from that and, and think about that moving forward when you're not doing keto, but you know, how do I incorporate healthy fats to keep my blood sugars balanced? So you Mm -hmm. can do that. And then something like a vegetarian diet, again, not something that I recommend like long-term you can do a vegetarian diet the right way. And for some people it does work, but it's, challenging. But if somebody doesn't eat a lot of vegetables and it really increases their vegetable intake, causes them to become a little bit more creative when preparing vegetables and incorporating Mm -hmm. them, that's something that they can use moving forward. So I think you were spot on when you say, yeah, there's something that can be like gained from a wide variety of diets um, and important to listen to your body. And it is also incredibly helpful to not only have the the knowledge and and to tune into how your body feels, but also to have some lab work to see, you know, Mm. internally, like what's actually happening here, because someone may feel pretty good, but I can catch that their iron is dramatically dropping when they're on a vegetarian diet. And Mm. we want to address that soon before they start to become symptomatic.
0: I see. Yeah. I don't think people have that connection with that happening inside so uh, going back to the australian retreat what well how how was that experience like how did you get to australia first of all
1: (laughs) it was so amazing i had always wanted to go to australia and it was honestly a God thing. I was, I was looking up, um, retreats in like Texas because mm-hmm. I was just trying to find ways to get plugged in, to get some work experience, like volunteer experience. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm on this webpage for Gwing Ghana. And I'm like, where is this? This looks amazing. And it was in Australia. And then I saw that they had a volunteer opportunity and they let you stay on site and they fed you. And the food was like, organic food from the garden on site amazing food with like great chefs and all you had to do was get there so I I had to pay for my flight so I worked and saved up money for the flight and then I stayed there for um, four weeks volunteering and it was such a cool experience Um, I got to meet people from all over the world so not only guests that were staying there but the other volunteers they have eight volunteers at a time and as two leave, two more come. So they got to meet a lot of people from all over the place. And we helped with everything behind the scenes for this retreat. So we would like do guided hikes. Um, We would wake people up instead of like having to use an alarm clock, I think a lot of people either turned off their phone or I think there was actually an option to give your cell phone to someone up front mm. um, so that you weren't like tempted by it. And so we would go around and like gently knock on the doors and wake up people in the mornings. We would help <laughs> like the kitchen staff. We would like serve the food, um, set up like yoga in the morning. So we were, we had a lot of different touch points um, but it was it was such an amazing experience and so fun to be around other people who really appreciated health and were excited about it. Mm. And that was in college, and I had had a personal experience with functional medicine, but felt kind of isolated in that because not many twenty-year-olds care about functional medicine.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <And so laughs> it was really like refreshing and so fun to be around other people who were passionate about the things that I was passionate about. And it got me really excited and I think planted a seed for Mm -hmm. me to start my own practice later um, and collaborate with other practitioners who really care um, about this field.
0: Talk a little bit more about that. Like how has your experience on your own to find people that also have that mentality been?
1: It's challenging. It's hard. Um, Yeah, owning your own business is just like, a whole, it's it's a beast at times. Yeah. Um, And so I think it is so important to have community and to have other practitioners to talk to. Um, I worked at a collaborative clinic for a couple of years in Dallas. um, Mm -hmm. And that was really great. So not only did they have other dieticians on staff, but they also had new medical doctors, they had nurse practitioners, an acupuncturist, a chiropractor. Everybody was under one roof, um, but what tied us all together was we all were practicing functional medicine. So I learned so much in that setting, and really thankful for my time there. Um, and it was very, it was just so much fun to be working with other practitioners. So it's a little bit different now because I I live in Austin and I'm completely solo, um, but I do have another dietitian on my team now, and that has been so nice. That kind of fell in my lap um, over this past summer, and she's amazing. She also specializes in gut health and hormones, as well as metabolism, and um, we just align on like every level and cool. every topic, and so it's been really fun to work with her um, and collaborate with her.
0: Mm. Tell me the story which led you to Plate and Canvas, which I love that name, first of all. <laughs> it's you. such a cool name. Uh, what does that mean to you? How did you get there?
1: Yeah. So it goes back to like my own personal experience and my own health journey. Um, I've always really loved art. I actually considered majoring in art in college. Um, so art has always been like very important to me and I think expression is very important to anyone. Um, and when I was dealing with health issues, it was a very dark time in my life. I was dealing with depression. Um, and, I pictured it almost as this like very dark block canvas and it is a long process. But as I, as I healed, as I learned about functional medicine, as I implemented those principles in my own life, as I changed my diet, um, changed my relationship with food, it felt like I was putting these bright splashes of paint onto this Mm. really dark canvas and, day to day, I may not, I may not have seen these like huge dramatic changes, but over the months and over the years, I got to look at this like new visual of my life. It was very bright and vibrant and my relationships with people changed. I was able to be more present with people. I was able to love people more, um, and, and my, my life changed. It wasn't my health that changed. It was my life that changed. Mm. And so I, I just saw that in a, in almost like a, a painting going from this like very dull canvas and very slowly becoming like this very bright and beautiful um, canvas instead.
0: I love that you like art because <laughs> uh, I think the way we met was through Ramel. Ramel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't think I send you like, or maybe I did, my email of what I'm trying to do. No. Uh, no, um, no so, you'll just
1: send it to me after.
0: <laughs> and uh, so my journey has been, you know, massage therapist, personal trainer. And so the, this podcast and this project that I'm trying to launch is really about finding the art of whatever you do. Uh, and I think when you approach life that way, in whatever field you are, it doesn't have to be like an artistic, like painter type person. Getting to a point where you end up looking at it as an art. And when you end up looking at it as, a, as an art, you start to value how it kind of seeps into other parts of your life. And it it, it nourishes everything that's going on around you in your environment. Uh, you speaking about how you chose that name. I was like, that's I want to know that story. It's so, so interesting because it is like yeah. what you do is an art and getting them to a place where they had no idea that they were going to get yeah. there you have to like picture that for them. And so when they get there, hopefully the goal is for people to start to realize how they can do that on their own. Just hearing you speak about a lot of different things, you have those those tendencies to like, I want to help someone get here. So how do I do that? What what are the tools I need? So that's pretty cool. Thank you. So what are your personal thoughts on how society deals with different types of diets being promoted?
1: yeah um, but that's frustrating <laughs> it is frustrating it's really well it's really hard with social media these days Oof, yeah. um people's attention spans are very short hey mine included like a <laughs> judgment Fair
0: our average. attention
1: spans are short um we want i feel like people actually want nutrition to be more complicated than it is in mm-hmm. a sense Like they want there to be these five superfoods they need to eat every day. They want there to be this formula um, that is just going to like cause them to drop weight like crazy. They want a quick fix. And none of those things are based in reality. Like that's just not the case. Um, The diet sometimes is not like, it's not this sexy thing where Mm -hmm. you need to make like this shake every morning that has these five superfoods and it's super like mysterious and fun (laughs) it it may not be that way um but that's what catches people's attention is a tiktok where someone's like include this food every day to drop five pounds in a week like that is going to get a lot of attention and the the more reasonable and actually helpful things may not get people's attention so it's Mm -hmm. it's very hard to be competing against TikToks and (laughs) and Instagram posts and things. But I I feel very passionately about like just staying true to what I believe and I am active on social media, but I'm like, I refuse to to do something that is just clickbait um, in order to get more followers. I would rather have 5,000 followers that I have than 300,000 because I'm promoting something that I don't actually believe in. Um, so yeah, it's very hard to overcome what society is telling us and like what mm. you see on social media. But, and I think that that also plays a role in like the relationship to food as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wanted to break that down what you just said with um, like superfoods or those kind of like buzzwords or or diets mm-hmm. that are happening. Does that actually like cause a big change for someone to eat that superfood, or do they have to make other uh, choices for those things to kind of I guess
1: experience a change. yeah instead of getting honed in on like one food um, it's important to take a step back and, and ask yourself what am I doing like 80 to 90 percent of the time because if if you're eating like processed things and overall mm. your diet doesn't look great but you're incorporating one superfood that it's not going to be that helpful um, mm. It's it's almost like with those superfoods, I don't even know the definition off the top of my head, but um, the definition of a superfood, I want to say it's like something that has um, a large amount of like a certain nutrient or something like that. And it's like, okay, I mean, sure. You can incorporate that superfood once a day, but like, what does 95% of the rest of your diet look Mm. like?
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: that is going to make a bigger impact, but that's, not as much fun to tell people.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like uh, what?
1: That doesn't sound as much fun.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: and food is meant not only to nourish our bodies, but also to be enjoyed. To be enjoyed with people, it connects people. Um, and so it's important to to think about food in a more positive light, because that is sustainable.
0: Yeah, that seems to be very difficult because you you know you read blogs and like there's new segments, books, podcasts, and. And it all talks about how we need to have a better hold of our emotions towards food. And mm-hmm. that just seems very challenging to do. I'm, you, I mean, yeah. you have those conversations every day, probably.
1: Yeah. And and I think that it's it's typically bigger than the food. It's not just about the food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's rooted yeah. in something else. Yeah. So if someone if someone tells me like they're having difficulty refraining from like sugar, they feel really out of control or like with portion sizes, they feel out of control it's typically because they're turning to food to, to fill a hole or meet a need. And it's not effective because it's just food. So it may be helpful in the moment to like eat the junk, eat the sugar. Um, but it's still, it's still not going to fix the actual problem. And so, you know, I'm not a counselor, but I have conversations with clients sometimes and we start by talking about the food and then eventually we get to a place where it's like, oh, shoot, like we've we've uncovered like there's something bigger going on here. And it would really benefit you to work through that with a counselor. And Mm -hmm. when they do that, their relationship with the food or their habits just automatically shift.
0: Mm -hmm. That's cool. Interesting. Like I could talk to you for a long time because I have so many questions on we can dive into. <laughs> we'll have
1: to do this again. Yeah, yeah. yeah We can talk about
0: because <laughs> food labels is something else I would want to talk to you about because that's that's something that food labels. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh yeah. oh, yeah, that's a big one. So I actually okay. have like a group program coming out. Um, okay. it should be out next month. Um, and that's something that I spend like a whole like I do a whole module mm. just on nutrition cool. labels because it sadly the, the people who write those, like the front of the package, that's the marketing team. Like Uh sadly, they don't, they don't care about you. They don't care about your health, their goal and their job and what they are paid for is for you to pick up the product and purchase it. And so it is really important to understand how to read a nutrition label and understand ingredients in a product so that you can make an informed choice. Mm-hmm. It's not that you can't choose the unhealthy product, um, but I want my clients to understand what they're putting in their body, and they yeah. cannot rely on the front of the package to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. So we'll 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 talk about that that's down so. the road. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So these are some fun questions just to finish off. Um, okay. Whom would you want as a dinner guest? Mm-hmm. Oh
1: shoot, that's hard.
0: Mm.
1: Oh. Someone off the top of my head. I honestly don't know like many. Oh, this is okay. So it's not to cook the meal with. It's just to sit and enjoy the meal with, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, well, you know what? Do both. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I didn't even think about that, but that's kind of a cool a twist. Yeah, a cool twist. Yeah,
1: I, I, I honestly I'm really bad about like using recipes and like knowing about chefs and stuff, but I would first want to do some research and and find a chef that is great who is no longer alive and I would want to eat mm. with them, or eat their food like cook with them yeah. and learn from them because I've always wanted to do that my my cooking skills have just been like kind of self-taught and I'm like uh-huh. there's, there's probably a lot that I could learn so I would love uh-huh. to do that okay. and then this is a weird one but if I could like sit down and eat dinner with anyone it would actually be my my parents and grandparents when they were my age I think that would Ooh. be so fun that's yeah.
0: cool wow yeah. Cause imagine like their mentality at that age.
1: Yeah. Like it would just be so fun to meet them in their, in their late twenties. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be so interesting.
0: Interesting. Okay. I was listening to one of your podcasts that you were on and that you kind of get into these like research rabbit holes.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> when was
0: the last one you had and what oh, was it?
1: They're happening all the time. Really? Uh, recently it was more about like mineral balance. So a lot of people are deficient in minerals, um, like specifically magnesium, a lot of women are iron deficient, but minerals are so complex, and they all have to. It's like this huge seven tier teeter totter, and they're all they all need to be in balance. And so I was looking into the relationship between different minerals, so not only like iron, mm. magnesium, but like molybdenum and copper, and um, it's it's very complex, but I think it's very important because a lot of people are just supplementing one thing. Um, we live in a world where like our soil is very depleted from minerals. And so supplementation can be very therapeutic where diet doesn't meet a need, but it's important to remember like food naturally contains things in the proper ratio.
0: Like mm, yeah, you
1: know, food has been designed to be this like synergistic, mix of a bunch of like nutrients and special like plant compounds. And it's amazing. And so when we extract a certain nutrient and we try to just give that separately, we have to think about how that's affecting um, other minerals, other mm. nutrients and, and the body. Cause it it's a lot trickier when you're mm. trying to just supplement certain things. Yeah, so
0: supplements, yeah, supplements is another one we could talk about. Mm, yeah.
1: That's uh, all. Yeah. I could talk yeah, about that for a while. Right.
0: Um but yeah the one that you, I heard that you talk about was the olive oil and the mafia. That is Ooh,
1: interesting. Oh right. I yeah. want to know
0: more about that. But I yeah. like the listener, whoever's listening to this, you should look that up because I thing. never even saw that connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but thank you so much for being on. How can people yeah. find you and follow your, your journey?
1: Yeah. um, So they can go to my website. I have a blog and I'll post recipes or just like nutrition information there. Um, So that's just plateandcanvas.com. And then I'm also really active on social media. So they can follow me on Instagram and it's just canvas. Um, if they want to hop on a call with me, if they're like, "Oh, this girl may be able to help me or the other dietitian on her team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the ability to call, like schedule a free discovery call through my website so they can do that. And then hopefully my group program will be launching next month. That's the hope. So March, 2022. Okay. Um, cause I only have so much room in my schedule. I'm like, I can't really take any more one-on-one clients on. Wow. And so this is a way hopefully for me to be able to work with more people. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. My, my goal in working with clients is eventually like they're they're good on their own, but many clients like continuing to work with me just on a less frequent basis mm-hmm. and kind of like as needed or a few times a year um, so that we can do like lab work and make sure things look good and Life happens, you know, you get a stomach bug or something comes up, and we can work through that.
0: Do you, you work with people remote, like if they're not in where you are, like in Austin?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually okay. completely remote as of right now. Um, okay. So I see everyone from here, my home office. Okay. <laughs> so cool. I see clients via Zoom or phone. I, I would say like 95% of my sessions are via Zoom because I think like, it's the closest thing to. To being in person and I can still like share my screen to share, you know, Mm -hmm. to explain something, show them a visual to, we can look at their lab work together. Um, so it's, it's just as great as, as in person. I would say I had a lot of clients who went from in person to virtual, um, when I transitioned and they've, they've like loved it. They're like, it's so great. I can see you from work Mm. or from my house or, and, and they they've really enjoyed it so I
0: awesome. know i'm probably gonna hit you up <laughs> yeah do it <laughs> yeah. um so what would be one thing you would leave the listener with or something important for them to know just okay. to send off
1: um th- this is a quote that i recently put on my website um and it's how did i word it i should look it up <laughs> i don't want to get it so, wrong but uh, the essence of it um is that there's a better life that's waiting for you and you just have to make the decision to to take it because it's it's possible there are a lot of people out there who feel like this is just their life they just they don't have energy they don't feel great this is just the body they have to live in and that's just not the case you you have the power to change it and you just have to make the decision to to change the things that you know you need to change and slash or work with someone who can help you get to where you want to be, um, which is an empowering and encouraging thing to know.
0: Yeah, that's very good, I love it. That's a good way to end the note. Great. (laughs) Thank you so much, Taylor, and we'll talk soon, okay? Thank you for listening to today's episode of This Undefined. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Share the voice. And if you want more content to explore, as well as follow other projects we're working on, go to the website at www.thekilosproject.com and follow us on Instagram at The Project. Till next time, train, recover, create.